what is in your hands? Following on from that reading, I want to just reiterate also that I prepared this word about a week before Paul spoke last Sunday and I had no idea what he was going to preach on. So this is really following on the back of the word that he gave. He shared about a new season for the church, that we were walking a new season for the church worldwide. It would not be the same church. And so I want to challenge each of us today from this reading and from this story, this amazing miracle, I want to challenge us. What is it that you have in your hands? We are in a new season and God wants to challenge us. <clears throat> now I wonder if you've ever been caught out in the situation where you've been preparing lunch for your wife or husband or your children and suddenly there's a knock on the door and you open the door and there are some long lost friends you've not seen them for years they've been on holiday they decided to come and visit you on the off chance that you're there and you invite them in and you're delighted to see them but of course you've only got two potatoes for that day for you and your husband or wife and you've only got a, a little bit of salad and you're thinking to yourself what can i do how can I make this meal stretch? I know I've been in that scenario many, many times and thought about what do I do? I'm delighted to see you, but I can't just sit here munching my meal in front of you. So either we've chosen to uh, make that stretch a little bit more, make two potatoes go into six or seven potatoes, or we've decided to do a takeaway or even bless them and take them to a restaurant. But what I know is that we want to share our lunch with them. <clears throat> That's really where we are. And I guess you've been in the same position. So this is a similar picture here of what's been happening in John chapter six. Jesus was preaching to the crowds in the open air. Vast people followed him because the Bible says they followed him because they saw the signs he performed by healing the sick. So he drew a crowd wherever he went in the open air. And at the same time, he was able to minister the gospel to them on those occasions. So his mission from a tender age was to preach the gospel, to let people know who he was and he'd come to redeem them. He wanted to do the work of his heavenly father. So on this, in this setting, on the shores of Galilee, here we have this vast crowd. The Bible tells us that were 5,000 men. That does not count women and children. So there could have been up to another 5,000 with women and children. So this is a vast crowd. And it was obvious to Jesus that this huge crowd who'd been listening to him preach were hungry and he needed to feed them. He was filled with a tremendous compassion for them, not only spiritually, but for their physical need. And I believe as Christians, we have to experience that same level of compassion for the spiritually lost. We live in a world where there are very many needy people. They have physical needs, vast physical needs, they have great emotional issues that they're dealing with, grappling with every day, and they have spiritual needs. And so we need to learn to meet those needs in Jesus Christ. So Jesus begins a conversation with his disciples. What are we going to do about this vast crowd? And I think the first point I want to bring here is that Jesus is proving and testing the hearts of his disciples. Because when he saw the crowd, he turned to Philip and he said, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He drew Philip's attention to the fact that the people were hungry. They were in the open air. They had nowhere to go. There weren't any Tesco's just around the corner. There were no shops. They'd followed him and listened to him for several hours. But he asked Philip this question because he was testing him. 
He didn't ask him because he didn't know the answer, because Jesus knew the Bible said what he was already going to do. But he wanted to test and prove what was in Philip's heart. What did G Philip believe about Jesus? What did he know to be true? Now, Philip had been a disciple right from the start, and he'd seen everything Jesus had done. He'd witnessed miracles. He'd seen the turning of water into the wine. He should have said, Lord, I know that you can provide food where there is none. But he didn't. His answer was a practical one, logical. It excluded any thought of the miraculous. He said, it will take more than half a year's wages to buy enough food for each uh, each for sorry buy enough bread for each one to have a bite so there was doubt in his mind he wasn't looking for any supernatural answer here and I guess Jesus must have thought how long have I been with you Philip and you don't know who I am and what I can do now this is the same disciple who at the moment is has got no faith but later on he shows tremendous faith because he comes alongside the Ethiopian and he witnesses to him about Jesus and he baptizes him. And Jesus uh, uses him to present the gospel to this man who goes back to his continent. And at one, I believe the, the gospel message was introduced into Africa through this man. However, at this time, Philip's faith was very small. He didn't seem to believe Jesus could do a miracle. And then uh, Andrew, Peter's brother comes up and he says, actually, I found somebody here who's got five small loaves, two fish. Uh, but his next comment was, I don't think it'd go very far amongst so many people. Now, Andrew had brought his own brother, Peter, to the Lord. He was a man of faith. And uh, he was one of the first disciples. Uh, but he was already thinking ahead and looking for food because he found this boy. So I wonder if he was canvassing for food. Was he going around the crowd saying, have anybody got any lunch? You know, can we share out any lunch here? Uh, but even he doubted at that point that Jesus could feed this crowd. So again, Jesus was testing his heart. He was seeking to prove what he actually believed about him. I think he wanted to involve Philip and Andrew in this miracle that was to follow. But there was a testing and approving first. And I'm always encouraged when I read that the very people who walked with Jesus, who saw the miracles, they had their own doubts. They did. They actually began to experience doubts about who Jesus really was because they were made of flesh and blood. They felt helpless and inadequate, just like us. So we should not feel condemned at all when our faith seems weak during times of testing. We've just seen a screen while we've been singing of disaster zones. And I said to Paul, we've never had to face anything like that in our lives. But there will be times of testing and they will be different for each of us. And we have to know that the proving and the testing of the Lord in our lives is to make us stronger and to demonstrate his power and his authority through us. And it actually proves what are we trusting in? Who are we placing our faith in? His purpose is to show us that actually he has the power and authority. And when we put our trust in him, we can achieve a lot. So do you ever experience doubts when you meet people and they've got huge needs they confront you with? Do you ever think, Lord, I can't meet this need? But do you have a vision of what God can do through you, even if your vision seems small? As long as you put your faith in Jesus, then your vision can be realized. And we have a vision of a new church, 
a different church, a restructuring of church. Mm. And we have to realize that vision will be realized as we put our trust in him. Do you experience the overwhelming compassion of Jesus when you meet people who are lost and in need? We need to see these people as Jesus sees them. They were lost without spiritual direction, without any spiritual food. So he fed them physically, but there was a spiritual longing in their hearts. So not only does Jesus test and prove the disciples' hearts, but we see that secondly, he goes on to provide the answer. Immediately, he provides the answer for the lack of faith that was in the disciples' hearts. He involves them in the uh, miraculous event that's about to, to happen. He says, make sure everyone's sitting on the grass. And if you notice, they're not in any church building. They're not confined with any church walls here. They're sitting on the grass in the open air. And I think this is a lesson for us here. We cannot, because of the pandemic, meet in our church building. We're not confined any longer within our church walls. So we need to take the gospel out into the highways and byways, into the streets, into our workplace, into our neighborhoods, into our communities, into our unsaved families. We have to take this message of Jesus to the people. No longer can we sit in our pew and think, Everyone needs to come to us. Mm. Jesus took the bread and the fish that Andrew had received from the boy, and he gave thanks for this very tiny lunch, but it was a provision of food. The disciples distributed this uh, bread and the fish to all the people, and verse 11 says that uh, the people ate as much as they wanted. I want you to think about that young boy for a moment. Had his mum sent him off that day to play? Did she give him a packed lunch? Did they go out with your friends? Or was she with him? We don't know. And did he see this vast crowd and think, oh, I'll tag along with the rest of them and go and see what's happening, see what this man has to say? But we, all we know is that his food, his packed lunch, was offered to Jesus. Andrew took it and he brought it to Jesus. So whatever happened to lead this boy to this very point of offering us food, we find that his lunch became part of the miracle, as tiny as it was. Now, the disciples thought this is insignificant, but I want to tell you something here. But no matter what is small or insignificant in our hands, it becomes great in the hands of the master. Mm. The moment he gave his food willingly to feed nearly 10,000 people, possibly, and let Jesus have it, then he became part of that miracle. We read about his story today. And the, this was an amazing provision to feed so many people. I wonder if you've ever felt, I only have little to offer to Jesus. I want to tell you that once you put the little that you have into the hands of Jesus, uh, it will become so much more. Your potential will then turn into fruit. Now, Paul talked on his weekly video about those four blackbird eggs and how if they'd been allowed to hatch, they would have grown into birds, produced other eggs. If they have grown into birds, their children, they would produce others. And there's a huge number of birds that would be flying around the sky. Those eggs had to hatch first. They had to be activated. And our small and insignificant input will increase to become what God wants it to be when we give it to him and we're willing to put it into his hands. Mm -hmm. Our potential needs to be activated. When I was at school in physics and chemistry, I learned that the potential is there, but it will not become anything. It will not become powered or empowered until we 
do something with it and we activate it. So our activation is actually saying spiritually, Lord, we will give you what is in our hands, as small as it is, we will achieve so much more fruit when we give it to you. So don't feel that your little is not very much or not even enough to offer. Simply ask Jesus to take the little you have, put it in his hands and see it grow and feed many people. You will see spiritual ministries take, uh, miracles take place. Jesus will take your time and use it. He will take your efforts and your labors for him. He will take your finances, your conversations with other people. He'll take your gifts, your talents, your ministries. And then through what you willingly give to him, you will see amazing growth that you would never believed possible. So our potential needs to be activated in order to see powerful results. What is in our hands potentially needs to be put into the master's hands. Mm. I guess the disciples and the little boy were astounded when they saw what happened. Even the people must have wondered. They must have thought, where did all this food come from? But it was changed miraculously when it was put into Jesus' hands. Small becomes large mm. when we're willing to obey him. Mm. So Jesus gives us that choice. Will you give him today? what you have in your hands and in your heart and let him use it to serve this next generation as paul has said the church is going to be different we're hearing this time and time again we have all got to be involved now as the body of christ in ministering out of what we have to those who do not have so not only does jesus prove and test hearts and he'll prove and test ours not only does he give us the answer as he gave them but finally he produced the fruit there's an old saying that said the proof of the pudding is in the eating mm. now that means that the real value of something can only be judged from practical experience or the results you cannot judge it simply by looking at it or by a theory jesus took the little that was offered to him and he turned it into a vast miracle that's recorded Many years ago, there was a bread, uh, a loaf of bread that was called Wonder Loaf. I don't know if you remember it, some of you might be too young, but it was advertised as a Wonder Loaf because the process of the warm sunshine, sunshine ripened the wheat and the grains, and so the, the branders decided to say this was a Wonder Loaf. When you eat it, you'll know the difference. When Paul and I were at Bible college, one of our tutors commented on this passage. He said this, the sun blessed bread, S-O-N, blessed, not S-U-N, became the wonder loaf. And I'd like to say that when God blesses, God, the Son, S-O-N, blesses your life and gives you talents and you use them for him, it becomes a wonderful thing. And you can actually see the miracle that's uh, happening. Once the food was distributed here, the people ate as much as they wanted. When they were full, Jesus asked the disciples to do something unusual. He said, gather up anything left over. Now, if I'd have been there, I would have said, there's no more food here. It's all gone. But actually, they gathered up 12 baskets. Mm. I'm, I'm amazed, frankly, that 12 baskets were gathered because the little bit the boy gave would not even have filled one basket. <clears throat> so this was a feast that the people enjoyed. And I noticed that Jesus gave thanks for this tiny little offering of food, as small as it was. And when he did that, the miracle occurred. I think you and I should always recognize that everything we have, no matter how small, 
It comes from the hands of the Father, our Heavenly Father. And we should be grateful for every blessing that we have, every blessing, no matter how big or small. So we need to thank him for the little he gives us. And then as we minister by faith, the little becomes large. That's the lesson I want us to learn today. The little becomes large. God gives us his uh, uh, breath to live for him. He gives us strength and energy to be able to serve him. And every gift we have comes from his hand. So when we offer back to him all that he owns in the first place, then he takes it, uses it, does more for it, for his glory than we could ever do. But we are part of that plan. The potential of the fruit to come for level 10 is in your hands mm. and my hands. Mm. There will always be abundance of fruit when we give it back to him. So the Bible says that Jesus said, let nothing be wasted. I want you to notice that verse, let nothing be wasted. Because fruit that, fruit that is produced will never, ever be wasted. Because it will go on to feed others beyond what you can see spiritually. And it will change lives. I don't know what happened to those 12 baskets of leftovers. Was there one basket for each disciple to take home to his family and their children? We don't know. Did it go on to feed other people? We have no idea. But Jesus wasn't going to allow the leftovers to be wasted mm. and i want you to understand that that other people enjoyed the benefit of the leftovers when you do something for jesus and you put your little into his hand you may only see the initial results but there will be other fruit to come out of that that you know nothing about so i want you to understand that that day there was an abundance of a feast and there was an abundance also of leftovers the leftovers went on to feed others. Please take hold of that and say, Jesus, whatever little I give to you, I don't know where else it's going to go, who else it's going to feed. It's like dropping a pebble into a stream or a river. The ripples go on and on and on and touch other people's lives. So please just be blessed by that, the abundance of the fruit and the abundance of the leftovers. When Jesus speaks and we obey him and share what we have, there will always, always be fruit in evidence mm. and much more fruit to come. So Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He simply uses us to further his kingdom. We are his body here on earth. I just want to read you something that St. Teresa of Avila said. And our son Daniel uh, preached last week in his church and he sent his recording to us and he he wrote this down, and I want to just read it to you. This is what she said. Christ has no body now but yours. He has no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, Yours are his body. You are his body, sorry. Christ has no body now on earth but you. So I just want you to really take hold of that. We are the body on Christ. We are doing the work of Christ. We are his missionaries. And so if nothing is ever to be wasted, then every time you speak the truth about the gospel of Jesus to someone, it will bear fruit. Please believe that. Every time you show compassion to somebody in need, 
it will produce fruit. Every time you speak an encouraging word to uplift a person, it will bear good fruit. Each time you do a kind and good deed for someone, it will bring forth much fruit. Nothing is ever wasted when we do it for the glory of the Lord and we share what we have with others. I just want to end with a little illustration of my mother. She died in 2013. She was a very quiet, gentle lady, but she was a tremendous missionary for Jesus in her own locality. I, I remember she would often tell me of conversations she would have when she was traveling from Berkshire to me or from Stoke-on-Trent to visit me on a train. She would talk to complete strangers. She might be sitting on a bus, a train, relaxing on a park bench or sitting in the town on a bench. Someone would sit down beside her and start to remark about the evil world we live in or having lost a loved one or, you know, how terrible the crime rate was. And within moments of that person opening up and making a comment, she's praying, Lord, let me bring the gospel in here. And within a few minutes, she would tell me, I started to share my story about what Jesus done for me when I lost that loved one or when this evil thing happened in my life. And she would just witness to someone else. And there's times when people would say, would you please give me your address? I want to write to you. I, I, I just want to continue this conversation. Nothing was ever wasted when my mother preached to other people. She was 88 nearly when she died, but what was in her hands right up to her day of her death, she gave back to Jesus to use for his glory. I want to be like that. I mm. want to take those opportunities when they arise. Mm. I want when that door opens to get in there with great conviction and courage and speak. And sometimes I'm held back by my own shyness or my own diffidence. But Jesus wants us to be bold for him. The little we have in our hands and are willing to put into his hands means we have the chance to touch many lives today and fruit will be produced. Uh, sometimes we're asked to plant the seed. Sometimes we're asked to water what somebody else has planted. Sometimes we see the fruit that is produced. So can I encourage you to give to Jesus every single day what is in your hands that day? What talents and gifts and ministries you've got? Ask him to bless your kind words. Ask him to best bless your kind actions. Ask him to bless the testimony that you will share with someone else of your salvation. Because the results of giving him your small gift of five loaves and two fishes, whatever that might look like, will astound and amaze you. I want to leave you with this question this morning, and we will go into breakout rooms, but just for you to ponder at home. What is in your hands that Jesus can use today that will bless people, that will change difficult situations, and will see great fruit produced for the kingdom of God? Because the church, you know, will no longer be contained within its church walls. We've come out of those walls through the pandemic. We're out of our building, but we have to be prepared to take the gospel into our communities, into our workplace, and to see the harvest that God wants to reap. May God bless this word to your hearts.